Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Owen. I was in at Ohio, the Ohio State University one time. It was like in February. Uh, I think it was 20 degrees, and the wind chill factor was maybe four, something like that. So um, I, I do sympathize anybody has to live up there. I know quite a few of the folks here are from there or have been there from there at some point. So um, God bless you is all I can say. I'm glad to, <laughs> glad to be in Texas and glad to be part of this marathon class. It's, it's always good to um, be able to share the Word of God with other folks. Let's turn our Bibles to 2 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. If we were, if I were to ask you or to give a survey of who the, uh, one of the greatest historians ever was that lived, uh, probably some of you would be familiar with the name Edward Gibbon. Uh, Gibbon was a, an English historian. He was an individual who was a member of parliament. But he talked about, in his very famous book on the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, he talked about the uh, greatest and worst times to ever have lived in world history. And so uh, in, his, uh, in his book, he mentioned that the greatest time to probably have ever lived was during the time of what he referred to as the Antonine Caesars. Now, Gibbon lived during the uh, 17 and 1800s, so quite a bit of uh, world history had come and gone at that point. And so he said that because of the great security and great peace in the world. In fact, uh, that time was characterized as the Pax Romana. And you could go just about anywhere and do about anything you wanted to do without fear of anything happening to you. Crime was at a minimum. And so we often refer, or I often refer to that as an uptick or an uptrend in history. And certainly uh, that has happened various times throughout the history of the world. So if we look at the whole panorama of history, uh, each of you could come testify in your own lives of good times and bad times. But when you look at history in general, then the downtrends, in my mind, tend to outweigh the uptrends. And, and that's okay. But right now, I think if we were to testify, and I think each of you could, testify that maybe right now is not an uptrend. I don't know, just turn on the news for five minutes, and I think you will agree that uh, it's not an uptrend. Uh, I, the other night, our Koinonia group, thankfully, Martin, good to see you, uh, got to uh, go to watch the Jesus Revolution. I'd recommend that. Uh, that time period was not necessarily my favorite time period. I didn't know much about that. Dennis and I talked about that because I was so sheltered. We lived in north central Louisiana. And uh, gosh, we went to a little school and a little town. We were all very happy. We weren't, re we weren't rebelling against much of anything. Besides, my dad would have had something to say about that if I had. So, uh, But the fact is, it did start something. And so we went maybe from a downtrend to an uptrend in history. I don't know. Uh, today, do we see the ramifications of that? I'm suggesting maybe I don't see a whole lot today. So was it, was it temporary? I don't know. And then over in Kentucky, I think you've probably read about some of the things going on over there. 
uh, related to the presentation of the gospel, people being saved. I think the area is Asbury or something like that. So we can pray that that will lead in our country to an uptrend in history. We hope that is the case. But until then, until the Lord comes and gets us out of here, which I'm good with, by the way, that'd be, be an awesome thing. We'd look forward to that. Uh, the fact is we've got to live as Christian warriors in the devil's world in 2023. And so what, what is that about? You know, what is our responsibility as believers in Jesus Christ? What is our responsibility as far as uh, living in this time? We're, we're pretty much retired in here. Uh, there may be a few exceptions as I look around. Um, but we don't retire from being a Christian. You don't retire from carrying out exactly what God wants us to do. Um, so we need to keep that in mind and always has our, have, have as one of our goals to be diligent students of the Word of God. So let's look as the Apostle Paul addresses Timothy here in 2 Timothy chapter 2 at some admonition he gives him about living in the devil's world. Although Paul eventually, not too long after he passed away, probably by 90 AD, we see the Pax Romana and we see a tremendous time of world history. Uh, but before that, he is warning Timothy, a fellow pastor, about things that are about to happen uh, that he was facing. So notice what he reminds Timothy here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verse 3, where he says, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier on active duty entangles himself in the affairs of civilian life. When, when you're in the military, that's, you, you just take care of your business in the military. And so you're not entangled with that, of course. So that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And, of course, for us, the one who enlists us is Jesus Christ himself. He is the one who made it possible for each one of us to have our so great salvation. And I think often about the person of Christ uh, as he was on the earth facing all types of adversity. And as he faced that adversity, he never wavered, he never flagged. And people say, well, how did, how did he do that? I submit to all of you that Jesus had us in mind when he went to the cross. He saw the end goal. And so that, that is our example. As a believer in Jesus Christ, our example is to be students of the Word of God, to grow by means of grace, and to never flag and to never waver. And, of course, it's easy to do right now because the society in which we live. Paul continues uh, giving not just one analogy of a soldier, but notice in verse 5 where he says, Furthermore, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does, not re he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. And so rules are important, and God has set up a system by which we can live in the devil's world in 2023. I'm going to read a short uh, song here. I, I, isn't it wonderful every Sunday when we're serenaded with great Christian music by the pianist we have in this class? It's fantastic to me to sit and just listen to that. But uh, I want to read a song that's not Christian music. Uh, it was written a good long time ago, and I want you to, I would like to be interested, don't look on your phones, 
No, you can't, no resources to look at. Don't look on your phone. See if you remember, any of you remember this song. And gosh, a high five to anybody that can tell me the author and when it was written. All right, I'm not, I'm not going to give it all to you because uh, some of it could be a little risque. All right, here's, what it, here's, the, here's the song. In olden days, a glimpse of stocking was looked on as something shocking. Now heaven knows anything goes. Ah, I hear some rumblings. Good authors, too, who once knew better words, now only use four-letter words, writing prose. Anything goes. The world has gone mad today. The good's bad today. Wow. Black's white today. Day's night today. Most guys today are just silly gigolos. So though I'm not a great romancer, I know you're bound to answer when I propose that anything goes. Is that not where we're living right now? Any, any speculation? Who wrote that? No? I heard it. Cole Porter. Yes, yeah, very good. 1934, middle of the Depression. So that society is what we call a downtrend. And in, that, in the downtrend that we have today, is there an uptrend? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I, I sometimes think maybe you can go so far you don't get back. And are we there at that place? And maybe it's time for the Lord to just come get us out of here. I'd be good with that, as I said. All right, so the only defense for us becomes what is in the contents of our soul. What is in us? What can we put in ourselves through the power and ministry of God and the Holy Spirit that allows us to handle these, thing, uh, these times with a relaxed mental attitude so that we just things come and go? There's not a whole lot we can do, but we can contemplate, we can talk about, we can think about, we can read about God and his plan for us and what he would have us do living in the USA in 2023. Well, let's look at three or four things that I have written down that I think you'll find um, very, uh, and you'll just say, well, it's true. Yes, I agree that that's true. But there's, uh, we'll turn to several passages, and I may not give you time to flip to all of them, but as we go through them, uh, I do have the scriptures, of course, written down, and I will uh, read some of them uh, for you. Uh, first of all, we need to note always that Jesus, in spite of the circumstance we find ourselves in, that God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, each one, each member of the Trinity, wants every person to accept Christ as Savior. Now, I'm a realist. I realize that not everybody will. But God is not willing that any should perish and that all should come to repentance. And so even today, even when it looks like at times... Well, what's the use of sharing the gospel? Was there, is there ever a time when it's more mandatory than it is now? It's got to be. Because there are positive people out there. There are people at the end of their rope. There are people that don't know what to do. They're looking for a solution. And drugs is not it. The Jesus Revolution movie uh, points that out beautifully. And so people turn from that. And so are we going to be there? Are we prepared to give the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who want to hear it? Not everybody will receive it, but everybody needs to hear it. 
And so God is not willing that any should perish and that all should come to repentance. Secondly, God wants every person to be what we call sanctified. Now, sanctified in Scripture has two concepts. One is what we call positional sanctification, and one is what we call experiential sanctification. Positional sanctification means that when you believe in Christ as Savior, you are in a position with God forever. Can't be changed. And you're his child, and you will live with him forever in eternity. That's what we call, <clears throat> that's what we call positional sanctification. But on the other hand, we also have experiential sanctification. And so let's look, if you would, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you have a Bible or a device, just turn back a couple of pages. Uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4. Very clearly it says, for this is... Verse 3, by the way. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And it's not talking about here your position with Christ. This is a person who has accepted Christ as Savior. And accepting Christ as Savior, he is being warned by the apostle, as all of us are being warned, that we are to live the Christian way of life as we accepted it. We accept Christ by faith. When a person comes to the realization that Christ is the Son of God, that he was the one who bore our sins in his body on the cross. When we come to that point, then we are in the family of God. But past that, after salvation, what? And Paul is saying, okay, here's what. The what is, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. And, of course, he clarifies it by living the Christian way of life, and he gives specific sins here. This may not be your specific sin, but there are other sins that you, we can commit. And so let's look at what he says here in verse 3. That is, that you abstain, you live the life with sexual, abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor living our lives as under the Lord, living with a motivation that allows us to think about him. And, and we really have to get to the place in our lives where what's more real to us, the situation we face or the person who has the answer to the situation we face. And so that's what we want to get to, and that takes time. Over a period of time, we can actually grow to the point where Jesus Christ himself, through the ministry of God the Holy Spirit, is more real to us than the exigency you face. Now, you face exigencies. We face things that aren't pleasant. Even in an uptrend of history, even when things are going great in history, there are exigencies that we're, we're going to face individually, and we've got to be ready for that. And so that's what sanctification is. Sanctification is the idea that as a believer in Christ, I have God the Father, I have God the Son who is residing in me, and I have God the Holy Spirit who is here to bring to my mind everything God has said. Remember Jesus' promise uh, as he got ready to leave the earth. In the upper room discourse, uh, he, he told the disciples as they were talking, as he was talking, he said, I'm going to send you the Comforter, and he will bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have taught you. And so we have that. Gosh, what a power system. What a fantastic system we have for effectively living the Christian way of life in the devil's world. 
And so it's God's will for us to be sanctified. And as we grow, and that's why we come to church, by the way. I mean, uh, probably, uh, I was thinking this morning while Chuck was talking, I'm not sure about what we're in that Malachi time because of where we are as a nation. Maybe we're facing that drop of the curtain where we as believers don't get to hear the gospel anymore. I've heard people talk about uh, not having free uh, access to the Internet because of gospel messages that may be taught. Uh, a government determining what you can and cannot hear. So are we there? I hope not. But if we are, do we as individual believers have the inner resources that we need so that we can uh, go through those situations as Malachi had to go through? The resources are there. So we must learn. We must memorize, I, memorization of Scripture. And I'm sure some of you have probably done that. You have favorite Scriptures. I'd say memorize them. The time may come you don't have a Bible anymore. Uh, I would say that uh, you learn as much uh, Bible doctrine as you can so that uh, you can grow by means of grace and have all these uh, devices we, we need in the devil's world. I remember reading stories about men who served in Vietnam and different men in different concentration camps who, after they'd been captured, uh, gave the gospel of Christ and gave certain verses that they had remembered, and they tapped those verses to each other out in Morse code. And so they learned, they, so they encouraged each other. They helped each other to learn and memorize certain verses. And so hopefully we're not there yet, and I, I, I just hope I'm with the Lord before that time comes. But the fact is we may be there. We may be getting close to that time. So additionally, does, uh, are, we not, are we not only to be saved, of course, and secondly, we need to be experientially sanctified. Thirdly, we need to make sure that we do not do anything to grieve or quench the ministry of God the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> People say, well, what does that? Well, uh, the Bible says, gives us two very distinct commands. Grieve not the Spirit and quench not the Spirit very specifically given in Scripture. And, of course, sin is one thing that will grieve the Spirit. So as we sin occasionally, which is inevitable because we have that Satan's inside agent, that old sin nature, and so we'll sin or become antagonistic or angry or show hatred or bitterness sometime, but the fact is we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who keeps on cleansing us from all sin. And so uh, the Apostle John wrote about the solution to the problem. He said in 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that because we have an advocate with the Father, then that can happen. And so when the Holy Spirit is functional in our lives through the filling ministry, in fact, the Scripture tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then we are beginning to access the power for living as Christian warriors in 2023 in the United States of America. Now, don't get me wrong. I've said a couple of negative things about where we are as a country. I don't want to be anyplace else. I don't know about y'all. This is the place I want to be. Uh, this is still the greatest country in the world today. But it's going down quickly, and it's up to us to make sure that we are students of the Word of God to the point where God can bless us, and He blesses us by blessing those around us. 
That's a concept I've been thinking about lately. If God can bless you, he will bless people in your periphery. And as he does that, then the nation could actually be turned around through the influence of Bible-believing, Bible-learning believers. And so that's up to us. How are we going to do that? Uh, fourthly, of course, it's God's will. Uh, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians. Since we're here, notice if you were at verse 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. This right here is, people say, well, I can do this anytime. But it's what it says. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, if somebody drove up into my front yard and said, uh, okay, you can have this beautiful vehicle free of charge. Um, whatever it is, a Spanish Suiza, what, whatever. You can take the most expensive uh, car in the world, and I would say thank you, and I would say thank the Lord. But on the other hand, if I got in from, if I went to the doctor's office and heard that I had six months to live, so the question becomes, can I thank God for that? Well, when we realize what adversity is all about, then we can. Hearing bad news doesn't mean permanent news. See, we hear things we want to hear sometimes and don't hear things. In fact, selective hearing. I've, I've had dogs that uh, manifested some evidence of selective hearing. My wife would say sometimes that I have selective hearing. That I tend to hear. I know you men have never been accused of that. But uh, uh, I do know that uh, as far as the Christian way of life is concerned, you have good news and you have bad news. The question becomes, how do we handle it? Do we let our prosperity overrun our thinking so that we lose our focus on the person who gave it to us, who provided the wonderful grace blessing? Uh, in the time of adversity, can we thank God for it? Because it's God's way of helping us focus on what's really important. That's the real purpose of adversity. What is important? What's important in our lives? Well, the Word of God, number one. Isn't it, isn't it true that sometimes... We as believers, uh, we just don't give a whole lot of thought to God maybe until that adversity comes. Well, I, I hope that is not the case. In your case, I know it is not. And speaking of, not only are we to give thanks, but notice God wants us to suffer. Now, don't throw anything at me. That's, that's what the Scripture says. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to First Peter. First Peter, really the entire book is on the concept of suffering and how we handle that. And we've been studying that a little bit in our Thursday morning James classes. And by the way, speaking of Thursday morning, so if you're, you know, if you just don't have anything to do on Thursday mornings beginning at 9, 9.30, yeah, then uh, we'd love for you to join us. Very relaxed group of uh, individuals who get together, talk, and we have coffee, of course, one of the essentials. And then uh, we uh, have prayer requests and go through the whole process, and then we have Bible study. So uh, come and join us uh, if you choose to. But notice, notice it's God's will for us to suffer. Notice 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. I'm talking instead of turning there. 1, <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> 1 Peter 3, 17. For it is better 
if God should will it so, and get that, God can will it so, if, maybe he will, maybe he won't, but if he does, it is better that you suffer for doing what is right than for doing what is wrong. Well, you say, that's a given, and it is, because suffering for what is wrong is deserved. But we're not, I'm not talking about deserved suffering. Deserved suffering is part of our lives. When I was a child growing up, I deserved some of the suffering that was administered to me by my dad. I deserved that. I've made mistakes along the way that caused suffering, probably. And so I'm sure I deserve that. But on the other hand, one of the things that's most difficult for us is when suffering comes our way and you think, you know, I really, I really didn't deserve that. But Paul didn't deserve all he went through. Jesus didn't deserve what he went through. You think about our, our Lord on the cross bearing the sins of the world. He is our example. He is our hero. Here's, he is the one who made it possible for us even to be sitting here. And so in our undeserved suffering for doing the right thing, it's okay. Others have gone through that and it's worked out just fine for them. And so I not only look at that passage, but look also in 1 Peter chapter 4. Just turn over a page. Chapter 4, verse 19. Chapter 4, verse 19. It says, therefore, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19, therefore let those also who suffer according to the will of God entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. So when that comes, remember in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19, remember God directed that to happen, and it's going to turn out fine. He's got a purpose. He probably wants us to refocus on something. He wants us as believers to draw closer to him. He wants us to understand that it can only happen through the power of the Holy Spirit, that in the midst of adversity, we understand love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance that the fruit of the Spirit is produced because we're focused on what God's purpose and plan is for us. And so that's one reason we suffer. It's okay. If you're living in the USA in 2023, you're going to suffer. The just will suffer with the unjust. That's just the way it is. And then in chapter 4, uh, verse 12, this is one of my favorite verses on suffering and God's will for us to suffer. Beloved ones, fellow believers, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. I've heard the expression, man, that's weird. That's really weird. How, why did that happen to me? And so when those times come and you're not expecting that, which is inevitable, that's the hardest to get over, I submit. When you're just minding your own business, you're not bothering anybody, and yet some disaster, some suffering happens to you. Now, there are four categories of testing. There's people testing. I know this. You know all people are nice to you. I grew up in the schools and uh, idea of education. Not everybody's nice. I can tell you that. So there's people testing. System testing. 
You can be a member of a system and be tested by it. Thought testing, your own worries and fears, disaster testing, and prosperity testing. All of those are out there. So it's not weird. It's not strange. It's just the way it is. God has a purpose for it. And so don't be surprised when it comes, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, undeserved, to that degree, keep on rejoicing. Wow. So that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are happy, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God, and it says literally, keeps on refreshing you. So in the midst of that, you have the refreshing ministry of the Holy Spirit to help you get through that, and you may not ever understand it. My parents always told me to do things because I told you so. I, None of you have probably ever experienced that. No, I know you have. But, and so there was not a good reason as far as I was concerned. It doesn't have to be a reason. It's a time for us to apply Scripture. And then look and turn with me to James. This is something that we have just done in James. Turn with me to James chapter 1, and let's see what the benefit of that is. The benefit of actually going through suffering. You know, Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, don't turn there. Just turn to James. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul said, I thank God for these sufferings, because when I am weak, most dependent on God, then I am strong. And so that's what James wants us to remember. Notice look at this passage in James chapter 1, verse 2. Now, this is not a fire and brimstone preacher saying this. This is James the half-brother of our Lord, by the way. He went through some suffering. But notice what he says. Consider it all happiness. Consider it joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. You get to where you can consistently apply Scripture. That's what endurance is talking about. Okay, it comes one time. Oh, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll remember John 3.16. But no, the, the fifth time, the tenth time, the twentieth time, the hundredth time, when that, when that comes and you're applying Scripture, then the advantage of that is you continue to grow, grow by means of grace. That faith produces endurance. And then notice this verse, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you might become mature, it's literally what it says, and complete, lacking in nothing lacking in no blessing that helps you to grow. And it may be adversity. It's God's will we go through that. God has not promised, and I've recited this before, skies always blue, flower-strewn pathways all our lives through. But God has promised strength for today. So we take it just one day at a time. I've got a lot more stuff here. But we don't have a lot more time. So let's close. I'm going to close out with a, a closing verse or two. It's, it's God's will for each one of us not only to suffer, but to trust the Lord in all of our circumstances. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And you, like me, have probably memorized that. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. 
In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. So we turn to him. The next time adversity comes, we turn to him. And that's what he wants. He wants us to trust him. Now, he's there for us. He directs his love toward us. He directs his loving kindness toward us. He directs his grace toward us, his peace, his intercession. All of that he directs toward us. So that as believers living, as Dr. Chafer would say, in cosmos diabolicus, we can be successful Christians because of all that God has done for us and continues to do for us. That's powerful for a closing word of prayer. Father, we're thankful for every way in which you bless us. We're thankful that through the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit, your word can be made real to us. We pray that today, through your word, that uh, he will encourage us and we would have in our souls the inventory of ideas that we need in order that we can live successfully for you in spite of the circumstances we face. We're thankful for all of your blessings to us. We're thankful most of all that Jesus bore our sins in his own body on the cross. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Mike. So uh, we don't get to retire from the Great Commission. <laughs> Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.